Boys and girls, welcome back to the Inspiration Space for another corker of an episode where I get to speak to an old mate of mine. I've known Sam Billings for a very long time, from the days where I used to watch him at school making a complete mockery of other teams, to watching him throw on the England jersey, I've always had a huge amount of admiration for him. I always associated Sam with an absolutely relentless competitive drive in the sporting arena. Where that competitive drive comes from is something that I've always been fascinated about. When catching up with Sam after a really long period, in all honesty, uh, when he came down to the gym for a few sessions and dominated, must I add, I, I got to speak to him on a much more insightful level on his career as far. For example, I always thought that his uh, rise to the England team was a very linear journey. However, it was not. Uh, the work ethic, sacrifice and struggles that he went through to get there are really fascinating. From our perspective as onlookers onto the professional sports stage, it's very, very easy just to criticise. I think sometimes we see these stars as figures and not really as people who are going through their own difficulties themselves. The pressure these male and uh, female athletes go through is so, so massive. Um, and to hear about it from, from someone uh, like Sam was really, really interesting. This lad is honestly a top, top guy. I'm honoured to have had him on the show and I'm glad to call him a mate, um, even though his choice of Metcons are an absolute disgrace. Uh, but guys, I think you'll get a lot out of this. It's very, very insightful, so take what you can from it. Enjoy. With cricket now, you kind of play 11, 12 months a year, really. Um, mm. So it's just getting ready for the next tour. So I'm off to India next week. Yeah. Back for two weeks in South Africa, then India again. So. Sure, yeah. I mean, actually, just for our listeners... Just a bit of context, Sam is, is a mate of mine from school. I mean, we were, we were mates at school, but I feel, yeah. Yeah, you were a different house, weren't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You were the enemy. Yeah, the enemy. Tristan was we, year below me in the same house, wasn't great, he? That's so. great, yeah. So, yeah, just maybe a bit of context on who you are as an individual. Maybe a bit of background on, you know, your, your childhood and, and kind of through Halebury and, and basically just to around the time when you got to uni and you, and you got your professional contract might be a, might be a good starting point. Yeah, um... From a huge sporty family, big family anyway, yeah. but um, uh, I'm sure we're going to come on to a very competitive family. So uh, growing up, it was, I mean, I don't think a single one of us um, plays a musical instrument. So it's very much sport or Nothing. you kind of get disowned. Really. <laughs> um, farming family down in Kent. Um, like I said, my dad's one of seven. Um, very close-knit family, even us us all cousins and stuff like that. So, And then um, my mum's mum actually lives in Kent as well, so very much mm. Kent-based. Mm. Um, Which, Which I find funny, because you ended up at a school <laughs> in Hertfordshire. Yeah, um, I went to prep school in Sevenoaks, yeah. uh, the New Beacon, which actually Great. was a huge kind of um, building block for my sport, really. It was unbelievable uh, prep school in terms of every sport, really. Yeah. Sport, rugby, um, football, rugby, cricket, squash, you name it, you mm. could play it there. So um, that was definitely very lucky to have gone to a school like that. And a uh, big shout out to my old schoolmaster, Ian Dunlop. He was a hard taskmaster, but... Set the standard. Yeah, it was brilliant. Um, and then, obviously, like you said, I went to Halebury, um, turned down the chance to go to Tunbridge, which obviously is the school to go to if you're from Kent, really. Uh, so it's frowned upon a bit. As yeah, you talk to us a little bit about that and your decision of why you didn't. Um, I always find it funny because Tunbridge like, is notorious for being a fantastic sports school. 
and not that Haleybury isn't, but yeah, I'm just, I was just finding I find it intriguing. Yeah, um, a lot of my mates, well, all of my friends from mm. prep school went to Tunbridge, and I, I suppose you can get kind of stuck in the same bubble mm. a little bit. Um, I was offered the sports scholarship um, there, and I just, if I'm honest, just didn't want to go there. I, I went to the place and amazing sports facilities and what it has to offer there's no doubt and I think it's very key for kind of every kid as you look at schools and I'm sure I'll get to that stage hopefully yeah. when I have my own kids but you look at each kid and go what suits them best and sure. what will get the best out of that person so um, I went to Haleybury and straight away it was the kind of place and I'm sure you'll agree that you go to um, and it just there was an energy about it Kind of like stepping in this place, but yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, no, but it's true. You get an energy about somewhere, and and you thought I, I thought straight away I want to go to this place. And they didn't do a sports scholarship. I got the all rounder um, there, uh, so I had to somehow kind of I had to do a drama thing for my day, and oh, it was just shocking. <laughs> just get, uh, got away with it. Yeah, got away with it. I just went and had a net for two hours as well, and that managed to sneak me through. But. Um, yeah, I, I absolutely loved my time at Haleybury. I'm sure yeah. you did as well. And, um, so got I got some it was great like a holiday, holiday camp, mate. It is. Yeah. And, and I, think I bet it held there were some females there. It was mixed. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, yeah, I was a bit of a late bloomer, to be honest. It took, took me to about 16, 17 to even get close to a girl. So, um, yeah, I was, I was about two foot tall till about 16. Um, but no, I loved, I loved my time at it was it was phenomenal and like I said it just it gave me the opportunity to really um, pursue my sport but also kind of become a more rounded individual I sure think. yeah no, absolutely I mean I've, I always remember like, is that so enough background for you is yeah that, oh, mate too, mu- too much <laughs> <laughs> and then Loughborough Uni obviously well yeah no before we get on to Loughborough I mean I, I just my experience with you at school I mean I was I was much more into to rugby as you know, but I, I did I did I was a first eleven cricket player. You were you were <laughs> decent, mate. Genuinely, I'm mate, I'm not. Mate, you don't have to lie on it. No, I'm I'm being honest. You were decent, mate. But all I remember from you, okay, <laughs> you just returned from obviously to just to touch on it. You were playing Kent the whole time and, and England schoolboys as well, which must have been a sacrifice in itself, which we'll, we'll speak about later. But I just remember you rocking up late to a session, and I just. I could. You weren't happy with the. Not inter- on purpose, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you weren't happy with the intensity. I just remember you making a real thing of it, and you and you weren't actually playing keeper at the time. You were bowling for us because uh, we had another young keeper, and we thought we could use you elsewhere. And you literally were starting to pelt balls, and we were doing fielding practice, and. It increased, the whole intensity just went from naught to 60, but in the process, because you had this like mad competitive, like we'll talk about as well, like sort of aroma, you were pelting balls at this this kid and he broke his, fi- broke his finger. Well, you should have caught it properly, <laughs> sure. Um, but like, that is, that. For, when I, honestly, when anyone asked me about you, saying like, oh, you know Sam Belings, I would say, yeah. And you, the first thing that comes to mind is your mad sort of competitive, drive which I always had massive admiration for I mean where do you think that came from do you think that was innate or do you think that was the environment you came up in or do you think do you think professional athletes majority of them just have that that from day one I think you have to um it's a pretty brutal kind of environment to be around in any any professional sport so um I think it's definitely 
if you want to get to the top in, in anything, I think you do have to have a slight edge over over the, the rest of the field, I suppose. But um, from where that came from, definitely from home life, yeah. um, from day one, really. My dad, I mean, I beat him for the first time at golf the other day, and I don't think he spoke to me for 24 hours. <laughs> um, but... But like I said, my dad's one of um, four boys, uh, had three sisters as well. But um, the four boys, I mean, they all played decent level football. Um, Dad did before he did his knee back in the day and um, all phenomenal athletes. Um, So it came from them and then they each had one boy each. So there's eight of us and we always played the young boys versus the older lads. And it, it came from that. I mean, from... The day we could run, we were playing every Christmas against the dads. And it was four-side football. Well, we managed to rope in a couple of keepers or whatever. So, um, and just generate that mindset. And that's where it came from. Well, it, I promise you, we go back every year. We play, uh, well, I say that, but every Christmas. But we play, my uncle still plays football at 60 at every Wednesday and Sunday night. But he's still unbelievable. And, and if he loses... Oh, he's in a mood for the rest of the week, basically. You, I mean, that, that for you as an individual, it, it, it definitely has to be a huge strength. And it's maybe one of the things that's helped you get to the top and get to where you are. I mean, do you, but, but I also know, and I've seen it where in you as well. I remember one time at Dulwich, I think you got out for like one. And you I thought in. you were going to talk about uh, my last rugby game ever for Haleybury. I took it off the back of a rug, playing at nine, <laughs> got spear tackled, <laughs> knocked out, woke up in the infirmary. I was like, oh, what is going on here? Okay, rugby's not your game, mate. No, exactly. That's why I sacked <laughs> us off, mate. Left it for Muppets like <laughs> But like, you, you, like, I remember you throwing, throwing a real tantrum. I mean, do you, do you and, and I know you do as well view it can be a weakness. I mean, there is definitely a strength and a weakness to having that competitive edge. I mean, would you agree? Yeah, 100%. And it's a, it's a matter of controlling that. Yeah, um, absolutely. Because you need it, but then, I mean, if you have an excess of anything, um, it, it's going to become a hindrance. 100%. Um, so that's the way I view it. I, I think it's definitely an ingredient that... Major, you are. It's a huge positive, and actually, you can't teach that to people. So, when you come across individuals now, I'm, I'm captain at Kent, mm. where you see it in some guys, and uh, some guys have an edge. Um, I won't embarrass him by saying his name, but we've got a young kid coming through, and you just, regardless of his cricket ability, and there's no doubt he's got the ability, you just see straight away this bloke's got an edge to him and and that will take him to the next level. Some some people just don't have that. Mm -hmm. And um, I suppose you can learn to be more mentally robust and and things like that. But it's mate, I completely agree with it. It's like it's fascinating to see because I mean like let's use let's use the greatest of all time American footballer, for example, Tom Brady arguably. He his natural his natural ability is arguably not very, very limited very limited compared to like a Joe Montana whoever one of these natural athletes but it's that competitive edge that won't let him stop and he will always do what he has to get the mm. job done and I don't th- I actually generally don't think deep 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 down that you can teach that past a certain age no I that is a great example and I mean I'd, have you seen Tom versus time on Facebook 
No. Watch that. 15 minute episodes of Tom Brady. Yeah. Six episodes or whatever. And it's fascinating. He says it himself. Mm. He says, I'm, I wasn't the best thrower. Mm. I wasn't the best athlete. I couldn't run. Mm. Mm. Um, mm. But I've just got it. And you see it in there. It's with everything. And mm. it comes down to every aspect of your life. You have to be so consistent. Yeah. I, I mean, and this, is, this leads me on to really my next fascinating. But I, I mean, when I looked at you at school, I, I was like, you, you did have the natural ability. As, along with um, Jamie George, your mate in the same house, you, you went on to play. Roommates. Yeah. <laughs> when, well, that's a, bit a, bigger that's than a serious. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's, he also had the natural ability. And I, we all looked at you guys as like, God, these guys are going to make it. But what, when I spoke to you the other day, which I never realized is that that wasn't actually the case for you as much as it was for Jamie who had who kind of everyone always kind of thought that he was going to go play for England and and from my perspective I always kind of considered you as the same going down the same line but it what you said you explained to me the other day that it wasn't as clear-cut as that no um Jamie I think we all knew that this boat oh, freak, had freak. unbelievable ability. But then you um, were scoring hundreds every fucking game, mate. No, I wasn't. I hardly scored a run at school. Genuinely. Really? Hardly. Oh, Sam Anthony, who, uh, who's another really good mate of mine, who was captain of cricket. Mm. Um, he was a lot better than me at school. Right. In terms of output, in terms of runs, wickets, whatever. So, um, yeah, it's interesting. I, I never converted that ability into performance, certainly at school. Mm. I was kind of that kid who had the ability, but just couldn't. I, I was, like I, I mentioned before, um, I was very small for my age in mm. terms of up to probably 16, 17. Uh, so I was, a, I was a late developer and mm. I've got no shame in that at all. And actually, I think that was a huge positive upon reflection. Sure. Um, what well, you have to have that mindset of, I was never number one, so if I go to England, yeah, yeah, um, that. under fifteens, under sixteen, seventeens, whatever, to prove yourself. I'm I'm number fifteen or sixteen, mm. so all of a sudden, you've got to work harder than the other blokes. You've got to just do something a little bit extra that they don't do. And I mean, it's amazing. You look at kind of fifteen, sixteen, seventeens, all that age group stuff, and we had an unbelievable year. We've got Joe Root, Josh Butler, Ben Stokes, James Vince. Um, I mean, there's more names as well sure. but all those guys they played a lot for England you, I mean three of them Stokesy Root and um, Butler three of the three best players for England sure, um, so in terms of our year we had a phenomenal year but a lot of the other guys who were probably as good as those blokes at that age mm. they don't, they're not even playing professional cricket anymore so just didn't have the mindset didn't have the drive well I, I think it's a combination of things you can't just generalise yeah, yeah. that that's the reason for all of them but sure. um certainly aspects of that and then people also catch up they might have been the bigger guys at that age and mm. all of a sudden everyone physically catches up and then it becomes more of a level playing field and ability shines through but um certainly from my point of view i was never i certainly never viewed myself as i'm definitely going to make it because i i mean even at kent i was probably oh yeah, i was fourth or fifth choice wicketkeeper at that time mm. coming through the academy looking up and going I've got four blokes ahead of me here. How am I going to get there? And, but I always thought that if I just put the work in, things will fall into place, the opportunity will come. And ultimately, you have to take the opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so that kind of led you... So as you started at Loughborough, I understand you didn't have that professional contract. No. And you were still in that mindset where you were you know, on the grind, working hard every day. That must have taken a huge strain. I always think of this when I think of you and Jay. 
I mean, I went out on the piss a couple of times with Jay when we were at school playing rugby, but it, nothing compared to the rest of the team. Jamie had to sacrifice a hell of a lot. Talk to us a little bit about that kind of student-athlete mindset that you had to be in to kind of, I mean, you wanted to have fun with your friends, I'm sure, but there were, must have been times where you had to sacrifice a hell of a lot to, to get where you wanted to be. Certainly at school, uh, the amount of kind of parties you miss out on and just things that you have to miss out on because you've got a Sunday training session. All our academy training sessions were Sunday 8am or something down at Canterbury. So I'd go from Hertfordshire to Canterbury, be all day and then back to uh, back to school in the evening. And um, yeah, you have to, you, you have to put that commitment in, otherwise you won't get anything out. And, and I think that's where you lose a lot of uh, schoolboy athletes actually. Um, is that they'd rather go out and have a few beers on Friday and Saturday night. And um, yeah, you give up the short term for a long term benefit and it, it, it was completely worth it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I still, I, I, I suppose the way we kind of do it as well, but in terms of the job, you can't drink consistently and, and perform consistently. So it's very much at the end of a tournament, you'll have a bit of a blowout, then you're back on it. And sure. uh, it's just classic binge drinking, basically. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think, again, it, it's getting that balance. But most of the time, you have to be very consistent with all that. Um, and then certainly going to university, I think the kind of... It oh. changed a lot, actually, because all of a sudden... Uh, a lot more distractions, mm. obviously. <laughs> um, yeah, we won't go into that. Um, but I loved uni because, again, it was all about if I wanted to train, mm. it was my responsibility to train. No one was going to push me. Mm. Uh, I was very fortunate to have, um, he's not with us anymore, but Graham Dilly, who ex England, um, I mean, test great. And he was a phenomenal kind of person for me. Very much supported me throughout yeah. throughout Loughborough and gave me a huge opportunity and, and backed me from from the start. Well, well, it got me into Loughborough in the first place, anyway. <laughs> um, so I have a lot to owe for him. Um, so I suppose I did. I was I was slightly lucky that he gave me a push. But like I said, it was very much taking the responsibility upon myself. Sure. That if if I had to be in the gym. At, every day then that's what I had to do um, if I wanted to hit balls well I had to go into the centre arrange it for myself and, and, and have that responsibility I mean I wasn't that model student so my lecture percentage is, is yeah you can probably tell Hayden wasn't great um, so I went to Loughborough because if you wanted to study and become mm. a professional athlete, that's the only place to go, and I stand by that. Mm. Um, I know everyone talks about Bath and Exeter and all these other places, great universities, but in terms of sport, nowhere comes close to that whole mindset of one place. Just yeah. You turn up and it's like, what country do you play for as opposed to what county? Wow, that's insane. Yeah, I mean, the, it is phenomenal, the kind of um, environment you're in there. So... Um, I was very lucky to go there. Really. And your your second year is when you got that contract. 
Yeah, right? second year, yeah. yeah. I mean, talk to us a little bit about that, like going to your first game. And it, I mean, I know there's a classic story about you. You spoke to me about it earlier, about your, the story of your first game. Um, but yeah, getting that contract, what did that mean to you? You know, talk to us a bit about your first game, you know, and your first season and then, you know, into your career a little bit. Yeah, so second year of university, um, we, so at the start of every year, there's warm-up games for the counties, which are the professional clubs, basically. So they're like the Saracens if, for sure. people who don't know cricket. Um, they are the professional clubs. So Kent, Surrey, Middlesex, et cetera, et cetera, right. are, are uh, all the pro clubs. And so as a warm-up, they play against universities mm. um, just to warm-up to the season, and, and they're classified as first-class games. So I got the opportunity. Uh, I was captain of, captain of Loughborough, and my first ever first class game, I get 100 against Northhands. And that was the kind of start where Kent actually went, right, we probably need it to is. contract this bloke yeah. because otherwise, which is great for me that I wouldn't have got that opportunity to play professional cricket or, or first class cricket if I hadn't have gone to university. Sure, sure. So, um, so that's when I got the contract. Um, and then in terms of my first game for Kent, it was later on that summer. Um, which was a bit, of a bit of an issue, actually. I had, a, had an exam, um, two o'clock, I think it was a Wednesday, I think so. Um, and I got a call, one of the guys got injured. Uh, we've, coach called me up and goes, well, one of our batters has gone down. We need you down at Cardiff, game tomorrow night, first T20, um, you're gonna play. So, oh, yeah, straight to our site. Oh my God, this is awesome. Um, I mean, that you worked your whole career for that moment. Yeah, and, and boyhood club, Kent through and through. Yeah. I m- meant a lot. Mr. Kent. Yeah, absolute rubbish from you, <laughs> you and Tristan. Um, but yeah, straight away I was like, well, I've got an exam tomorrow. Yeah. I called my dad up and I said, Dad, I've got a bit of an issue. And this gives a good kind of um, opinion of my dad, really. Um, Called him up and I go, Dad, been in an issue. Uh, I've got an exam tomorrow, but Martin Van Yarsfeld's gone down. He's broken a finger, so I'm playing tomorrow down at Cardiff. What do I do? See you down at Cardiff. Put the phone down. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's pretty much so good. That's pretty much though. So my good. my kind of family yeah. is sport is very much at the forefront, and that's. I mean, my cousin is world number two at rackets, phenomenal athlete as well. Top man as well. Great man. Um, so it's just, that was where it kind of went from. And, and from then on, um, just went kind of snowballed from there really with Kent. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I don't, I don't the early stages of your career for Kent, I mean, I know you had a fantastic season. I believe it was 2015. Was that right? 2015 is uh, when it really went full, full ham. Or was it slightly before that? Might have been, it was 2014 or 2014, 15, yeah. 2014. maybe 14. And, they had a big, and then obviously you came into the lineup with England. I mean, starting to work with top, like the top level of athlete. I mean, did you have to, what did you have to do to, to take it up a notch to get to that, to that um, point in your career? You must, did you have to increase the intensity or did you almost take a step back and just say, all right, be a bit more mature about your progress and your development. I mean, how, what was the mindset you had to kind of go into to take it up a notch and get to where you, you wanted to be? I think I think it starts way before that. Really? Um, so I went to Sydney 
So I went straight out of university, I went to Adelaide, lived there for six months, went to the Darren Lehman Academy, uh, which is a good experience. Uh, got injured at the end of it, I had a stress fracture in my foot. So through that, I learned a lot as well. When I couldn't, you're really wanting to just progress. Mm. You're starting to go well for, for Kent and, and you kind of hit that speed bump as such. So you learn to go, right, well, just chill out a little bit. Um, and, it, and it makes you mature. Those kind of experiences mm. definitely are huge learning. But then the following year, I went to um, Sydney, completely on my own, mm. uh, went and played at Penrith out west, Western Sydney, um, which it's a long way from the beach. Yeah. The only thing to do out there is to train. I mean, they train bloody hard and it is, it, I have a lot to owe. That's the best thing I've ever done for my cricket. There's no doubt about that. Sure. Um, just kind of going back to university, but the, the kind of next level on, it just you take complete responsibility for yourself. You mm. go out there to improve, but there's no coach really. Um, fitness wise, uh, you, you've got the responsibility. And I work with Glenn McGrath, the all time. Um, Jesus. Glenn McGrath, his fitness coach. So I was up at, uh, no, well, his fitness coach oh, his when fitness he coach. was, um, when he was playing and I mean, he's one of the best players ever. And this guy got me up at 5.30 every morning um, and it was brutal. It mm. was absolutely brutal. But again, it was just that kind of thing that I knew that I was putting the work in. So you just bank that and you, with anything, as soon as you get into the habit, 5.30 in the morning, do it some days, double sessions, whatever, then cricket. It just makes, once you get into the habit, it just snowballs. The momentum just continues and you just, you see the improvements you make. But the biggest thing was mentally, sure. is again, taking that responsibility upon yourself. Um, yeah, no one's there to push you. So actually, if you've got that inner motivation, I mean, when you're out in the middle, playing in front of what, 50, 60,000 people, there's no one else to help you along the way. Yeah. So if you yeah. can't do it yourself, sure. um, I think that's, that's one thing where I think everyone's great when someone's shouting at them and saying, get down and row or whatever. But actually, can you do it yourself? Can you drag yourself out of bed first thing in the morning and, and, and do it? So um, it was a huge learning curve. I, I learned, I was kind of very dependent on other people in terms of social interaction needed people around me the whole time before that because all, all the club cricket, cricket guys all had jobs during the day. I, I spent a lot of time on my own and you learn to kind of get very comfortable in your own skin. And I think certainly at university, you'll, you'll agree that um, it's constantly a social bubble the whole time. And, and actually it can, I, I suppose we're getting to that age we spoke earlier yeah. is that you need that time on your own. And mm -hmm. now mm -hmm. you learn that actually I'm very comfortable spending time on my own. I love, I love spending time with people, but again, need, to recharge now, yeah. I need that time. Yeah. And, and also just from a mental point of view is just to completely kind of um, clear your mind really. Absolutely, I mean, mental health in, in, in cricket is a fascinating topic. I mean, mental health is fascinating as a topic in general. I mean, it's something I speak about in the podcast often. But as a sport, I mean, there is a lot, not there isn't, there's pressure in every sport, but I feel like in cricket, and it's resulted in many cases of people struggling with mental health in cricket. Um, like Jonathan Trott, uh, Driscothic, I, yeah. I believe. A lot well, of, a lot Andrew of, Flintoff. Andrew Flintoff, all yeah. these people. 
Do you think it's because even though it's a team sport, there's very in, there's very you like every individual's really being scrutinised at all times. I mean, if you're not scoring runs, there's a hell of a lot of pressure on you. You know, you're a keeper for God's sake. You know, every single ball's clang. Yeah, <laughs> do, you know what, do you know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. if you drop a catch, you're scrutinised. It, it's a very tough game in in that um, from that perspective. Talk to us a little bit about that side of things. I mean, we talked a little bit about the physical, but the mental side of things as a cricket player. You know, talk us a little bit about the difficulties and, and why why specifically you know, cricketers do struggle with it. You think, in, in your opinion? Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, obviously everyone has different sure. circumstances, but. Um, I mean, the time you spend away from home, mm. um, people deal with it differently. I mean, my parents clearly don't like me. They sent me off to school at the age of 10 and boarding school, and that was it. Um, so I'm very accustomed to being away, and, mm. and it doesn't phase me at all, but certainly people struggle with that. Um, again, as you mentioned, that time away from home, mm. if you're not scoring runs, if you're not performing, it becomes a hell of a lot harder uh, if you haven't got that support network around you. I think certainly with this team right now, um, as I mentioned before, a lot of us are very good friends um, and have grown up with each other, similar age. Um, so it's very lucky that you've actually got your mates sure. in the side. But um, from a cricket point of view, I think it's the time aspect. I mean, you could, well, you can get a second ball or a first ball or whatever and uh, walk off and that's your day done. Mm. All of a sudden you won't have another opportunity potentially for another three days and you're standing in a field with for your, three with days. Um, so, and if that happens once, if it happens twice, three, four times. I mean, everyone goes through failure in any sport. Mm. Top level sport is bloody hard. Um, so it's about the mental robustness, I suppose, to be able to deal with that. Um, and and kind of see the light at the end of the tunnel because at times I think it, it really you can really struggle especially with cricket like you said it's a team game but it's an individual sport 100%. as well um, so it's a fascinating concept where uh, you're reliant on others but actually if you're not pulling your own weight um, you can be quickly out the door so yeah, it's a struggle on that. I mean, you, you touched on that, that failure there for a second. I mean, that's been a big topic I've spoken about on the podcast as well, is how, how you know, a lot of, everyone that's come on the podcast is you know, up there in, the, in whatever they're doing in their sector. I mean, they all have a perception of failure, and, and a lot of the time it's, and I think we actually spoke about this earlier, you don't refer it to it as failure. It's more feedback and how you react. Lovely cliche there. Lovely you. cliche. Quote that. That's going right at the top of the podcast. Hayden <laughs> Elliott, 2019. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, for you, what I mean, you must have gone through those periods where you're not scoring runs, you're not, you're not, you're not performing the way that you'd like to, or not in not in terms of performing. It's not getting the results that you feel like the hard work deserves. Yeah. How do you? How have you had to deal with that? I mean, what's your perspective on how you have to deal in those situations? Yeah, interesting question because I think. It changes at different times mm -hmm. as well. I mean, I've had times where, I mean, from an England point of view, I've played over 30 times for England now. and, and Fuck, that's I've, cool. I've sh yeah, it is cool. But for me, I... Look, no one can ever take that away from me if, mm -hmm. if cricket stops tomorrow, as it did for James Taylor. And it's great mm -hmm. to keep a bit of perspective, perspective actually. Um, 
it can be over like that and it's not to get so engulfed in it that that you're like well this is this is Sam Billings as the person I think uh, that's one big struggle with any sportsman after they finish the game is actually Sam Billings the person or Sam Billings the cricket doesn't define me as the person mm -hmm. so um, even though the perception that you see kind of the player mm. that doesn't necessarily tell the whole story the whole time so I think it's key to develop yourself as a person outside of cricket mm. because one day that will end and actually no one will care about you anymore as the cricketer so you have to kind of have far more to yourself than 100%. that um, kind of going off tangent a little bit but um, from my point of view it's, it's very much dealing with it at the time um, and having different strategies. Over time, you, you learn to deal with things differently, uh, whether it's on or off the field, mm. um, personal issues or, or, or whatever. So um, I suppose the point I wanted to make actually about the 35 games or whatever is, yes, I've played that, that's great, but I've only shown glimpses of what I can do on the international stage. I mean, um, yeah, I got the second fastest 2020 50 for England in something like my third or fourth game. Mm. And it's actually, I haven't been able to consistently reproduce that. And it's a frustration because I know I can. Mm. Um, I know I've got the ability to. It's a matter of kind of getting that extended opportunity and actually taking the opportunity. Um, I suppose at times I've kind of taken the opportunity half-heartedly and not... And ultimately, that's on me. So it's, it's an interesting one. Yeah. Over time, it, it develops and you, you, you're, in the, it. you're yeah. in the side, you're out of the side and uh, you do well in, in a franchise tournament, then you don't do so well. And it's very much peaks and troughs and trying to keep a level head yeah, um, sure. at times can be, can be tough. And, and working with like I said before, is having that support network around you, whether it's guys completely away from cricket or it's a sports psych or, or whatever. Um, I think it's very important to have that network around you. Absolutely. I mean, we talked a little bit about it earlier. I mean, my struggles with uh, the gym in terms of having that kind of structure and consistency. And I feel like we're relatively, maybe it's just our our personalities but we're, very, we're relatively flary people and we we kind of like we we, we get sometimes you get up in the morning and you, and you don't really have a clear focus on, on what you have to get done and that's something that you've worked on in terms of i understand within kent with your sports psych and all that kind of stuff is that correct you're kind yeah, of more work, working on that getting that structure in place and fundamentals to fall back on talk to us about the importance of that for you and, and in professional sport but as well as an individual yeah, so uh, Kent had a relationship with a company called Thomas Sport, um, mm. which is is just like Myers Briggs, uh, but a variation essentially. So it's personality testing and, and working out what your strengths are, mm. what your weaknesses are, and and how you can combat both of them mm. and and make your strengths far more efficient. And I mean, the overriding thing was. Um, for me is I have to have that structure in place sure. to to allow me just I'm very much a kind of go with the flow yeah, yeah. Um, person just <laughs> guilty just kind of go <laughs> along with it and and really just enjoy it and and if I want to do something do it mm. quite impulsive sometimes so um, 
Do you think that displays in your cricket as well sometimes? Yeah, sometimes. And that's something that you have to work on. Mm. But you don't want to completely take that away because... Exactly. What makes you again, exciting who you are. Exactly. And that's, the, that's um, a huge strength. So it's just, again, making things far more efficient um, mm. for me. And, and, and structure was the huge thing. So what habits have you put in place to, to, to try and make that a kind of try and get the most out of try trying to unleash that sort of flair aside but also have the, con, the the sort of structure and control at the same time yeah it's definitely a work in progress yeah, but of course, having yeah. a diary it's just simple stuff like that is actually wake up in the morning and knowing exactly how my day looks yeah. what i want to get out of the day and yeah. and go right i've got gym at this time i'm i'm hitting balls at this time eat then i've got a meeting then whatever yeah, yeah. and actually just structuring it like this morning i had you have to structure it today otherwise be, otherwise it'd be all over the show i've got to go and sort my indian visa out <laughs> i've got loads of <laughs> stuff to do but it's having that structure in place yeah. that you have complete clarity of once i'm done here once i'm done there then you can move on and it makes you far more efficient with that so that's been a huge thing for me um i journal again inconsistently um, I, I went through a stage where I was religious with it and it, it was really good but then I learned for me that it can be quite draining that if I've had a long day in the dirt or something um, that's a technical term for standing in a field playing cricket basically <laughs> for the dirt. Uh, in dirt. the dirt um, so yeah, the last thing I want to do is go and write in a book for sure. 20 minutes or whatever and, yeah. and write down how my day's gone, especially if you've not got any runs. Exactly. <laughs> um, so it's kind of working these things out and, and still kind of putting that information down mm. and but making it more efficient for me and, and what works for me. Uh, like I said, that's definitely a work in progress for me and, and to take it to the next level is, is something that I really want to do. Sure. Um, I've worked with a guy based in Sydney, sports psych over there. And um, I mean, hopefully I'll be right in saying now the kind of, um, what's the word, the reputation or, well, the, the kind of thought processes and, and, and thinking around a sports psych used to be hugely frowned upon. Yeah, um, I, I, I Even five I mean, years ago, I reckon. Really? Massively. So in sport, it was like, oh, you're seeing a sport. Sports like you got cartoons in your head. Most, if not all, top level sportsmen oh, right. around the world now uh, have that guy, and they that that might not be a sports psych as such. They're not looking into your brain and looking at the chemicals in your brain or whatever. But it's it's just actually talking to you as a bloke yeah, and, yeah. and and dealing with those things. And I think that's far more important. Is how, like I, I keep on going, going back to it, but having that support network around you, actually, most of the time, all you need to do, whether it's something that's stressing you out or mm. uh, you're worrying about something, normally all it is is a conversation. I mean, we've had times, whether it's we've gone for a coffee, me and a couple of the, the boys on tour, and one of the lads or myself is struggling with something, mm. all you do is have a chat to your mate he gives it from his point of view and you have a pretty brutal upfront conversation yeah. and, and you're fine it's after done. that. It's done. It's, um, it's, it's communication. It's the importance of communication. It's something I've spoken about really recently. It's amazing. Well, your what Instagram post, hashtag yeah. Hayden Elliott. Hashtag Hayden Elliott. It, hashtag the influencer. <laughs> <laughs> <Pretty much. laughs> 
awful for me. How cringe. Good how post this morning, actually. Great post, great post. But one, of, one of the best. But that's, but that's, it's true, that's your point, mate. isn't it? It's so true. Like, the importance of communication, fucking hell, it can just take you to a new level. And it's, 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 I just find it so bizarre how people constantly swipe things under the rug and just try and deal with them in, internally. Mm. It doesn't really make sense, and it will get to the point one day where it will just be part of the fabric of our society. But I still think we've got a fucking ton, long way to go. I mean, mental health, I know, is a big big deal to you. I mean, you talked about to, to me a little bit earlier, you're planning to do a bit of a charity event and all that kind of stuff. I mean, what's going on with that? Yeah, so... Um, is that still a work in progress? Yeah, very much work in progress, but... Uh, as a family, uh, we do a music kind of festival. Oh, fuck, I remember this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We do a music festival every year, uh, normally first weekend of July. So any, any listeners fancy coming along? I'll, be, I'll be there, mate. Yeah, Hayden will be there. Hayden the influencer. With his, uh, <laughs> what are they, one of those stupid drinks you do, which are all over. Oh, Aperol Spritz? No. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> stupid drinks. No, um, oh, Craig David's. Oh, yeah, mate, yeah, yeah, all over it. Um, <laughs> you'll be there um, but yeah essentially so we lost two of my aunties to cancer started this about uh, something around 12 years ago it started off as a garden party uh, just with a load of friends over um, like I said big family and kind of just raising a little bit of money it kind of escalated pretty quick to a festival well yeah it's a festival um, but it's a yeah, it's a concert really, just on the farm, and sure. uh, it's about two thousand people now uh, wow. every year. That's mega! I didn't realise it was that big. Yes, it's, it's good. <laughs> um, yeah, that's and mate, my that's uncle, that's epic, man. That's uncle really and epic. cousins, well, and my auntie Sue um, run it. But like I said, every year the the charity changes. Uh, Jamie, my uh, cousin, he just ran the ran the New York Marathon. Mm. Um, yeah, so whatever we do, we try and do it. And so I'm going to try and align the charity football tournament in October um, along with the charity that we're raising money for this year. So do you need an F45 sponsored team? Absolutely. Get a tent down there, mate. Mate, 100%. Yeah. And maybe get a few people signing up. Yeah, we agree. <laughs> there you Fine, go. done. Yeah, um, mate, that's amazing. But stuff like that, uh, kind of what I said to you earlier yeah. is trying to not just totally get engrossed in my cricket of mm. course give it 100 percent and and really um i feel like this this year for me as a cricketer is going to be huge mm. and and actually to really um kind of put all my effort into it mm. uh, don't leave anything behind but also be far more efficient with my time that i can actually do things like just do a bit more charity work i'm, I'm a lord's taverners ambassador um so do a lot more work with them because um, I think at times I love my FIFA, I love things like that away from yeah. cricket, but I can be so much more efficient with my time away from cricket and, and, yeah, yeah. and do a lot more. Um, so yeah, trying to, kind of got a few little things in the pipeline and hopefully they come to fruition, but I'll no doubt. Mate, I'll be, I'm, I'm keeping the eagle eyes on you, mate. But we've had, well, just going back to the... Um, to, to the festival we've had Razor Light we've had Top Loader hey, Dancing in the Moonlight great tune that's I bet <laughs> on, your, on your land right, right. that must be <laughs> mince <laughs> I wasn't there for that actually. what do you mean no I, I was uh, Sri Lanka or I was New Zealand I think we had Somerset away that night which was an absolute stinker yeah. 
Um, but yeah, we've had scouting for girls as well. Jesus. Yeah. Mate, I'll be there. I'll be, I'll be there. Mate, a couple of, I mean, you've now, like, just returned back to, to cricket. I mean, I mean, you're, you're captain of Kent now. You've played England, like you said, plus 30 times, hopefully more in the, in the new year. You must have learned a fuckload about yourself as an, as an individual through being an athlete. I mean, talk to us through, I mean, what, what's the one thing that really sticks out for you as something you've learned about yourself? And maybe even as a you know, piece of life advice or, or a life lesson that you've learned that you could almost pass on to our listeners. I mean, something like that along those lines, something you really have, you, you, the, you, your perspective has, has expanded as an individual. Um, enjoy what you do. Yeah. I think I, I'll be totally honest. I, I went through a stage where um, I wasn't enjoying mm. playing cricket, especially for England, actually. I wasn't enjoying it because I was putting so much pressure on myself to perform, knowing that if I don't, if I don't get runs, uh, I'll be out of the side. And then you, it's, a, it's a vicious circle. So and it's very hard to kind of talk to someone um, in that situation I think yeah. because every situation is different people deal with it differently but certainly from my point of view actually just enjoy it um, like if I get the opportunity to play again I, I might never um, I will because <laughs> I'm going to make it happen but um, I next time I play for England I will just enjoy it I, I went back to Kent this year um, and just enjoyed my cricket again it was like it was like playing as a kid again yeah mate and, and that's why you play sport at the end of the day is act, and, and with anything um, even though cricket is a job mm. it is very much a job it is still my passion and sport is a passion and you have to just still have that enjoyment factor so I think I went through a stage where I was so kind of consumed in my own thoughts and just wanting to do so well so badly which is kind of what you said earlier about having that Achilles heel of being so competitive wanting it so badly mm. that actually sometimes the the more you want something the more it eludes you and it just kind of gets further and further away so having peace with just trusting with the process and actually enjoying that and really grasping that that's that's been the biggest learning curve for me and it's only over a couple of kind of different experiences uh actually in the t10 new tournament in dubai again similar thing and it's it's through that um experience and then actually having a home christmas around friends family or whatever and having time to reflect on it where i haven't actually had that quality time at home for three years four years um it's been great to reflect on things and actually really realize what's important so mate i i i've really enjoyed this i never knew you had this much depth <laughs> I don't, <laughs> I don't know. I'm com chatting complete garbage. Mate, honestly, um, mate, it's, it's, no, mate, I completely understand you. I really if, do. If that makes yeah. sense. And You're obviously, I, um, oh, there's a tissue there, mate. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Where's the violin? Uh, no, but I get it. But get it's, it. yeah. again, with anything, and that can relate to anything or, or whatever you do. Yeah. Yes, you want to have that competitive drive. You want something so badly, of course. And I think, especially now, you look at social media and it's all about um, you've got to 
you've got to want it as much as you can breathe and, and all of that and you've got to want it now and I think we're living in a generation where everyone everyone wants it now and, and feels they're entitled just because they had a week's worth of good work put in mm-hmm. that they want the results right now oh, it, take, yeah. it quick, takes quick time fix. Yeah, yeah. Um, great things take time and, yeah. I mean Rome wasn't built in a bloody day yeah, like yeah. that Mate, it's, it's interesting you said that. Does that make sense? Yeah, mate, completely. Because I mean, like, the, the, that was the biggest, because when I was going through my mental health battles, the biggest issue with all that was the concept of time. And it's so weird, especially like in your 20s. Like when you're like, as a professional quick, it might be slightly different to, to just... We're past it, mate. Huh? Late 20s, we're past it. Well, you're mid-20s. I'm, I'm mid-20s, mate. Living it. <laughs> but, but like 20, early 20s yeah. is, is a hard time to kind of like, you, you want to get where you want to be, but but... You want it now and, and you look at other people around you, they're moving faster than you and you, you feel like you're running out of time. And it's, It just takes a little bit more maturity and understanding just to step back and just realise that, like you said, things do take time to, to get to where you want to be. So, I mean, that's, that's, yeah, that's, I that's th- a solid point. Just as an example, um, I'm conscious of time because you want to kick me out. I don't want to kick you out. Um, Mate, I can sit, I've, I've got plenty of time. But Joe Denley, uh, vice captain at Kent, yeah. great friend of mine, um, he played for England probably as a 23, 24 year old. Mm. Did okay. Um, then it was actually in a warm up football game. They, he got a really bad injury. Out to the England side, only come back into the England side after having an unbelievable year for Kent or the last few years um, this year. And again, seeing someone else go through that journey mm-hmm. and seeing him change in the last three, four years. He's, he's had a child, a young boy. So you've got a young family. All of a sudden, he's got that sense of perspective and it just looks well, like this bloke is just enjoying his cricket again. It's well-rounded. And he hasn't consciously gone, mm. I want to play for England again. I need to play for England again. But the way it looks is he's mm. just gone, you know what, if it happens, it happens. Mm. And he smashed it. Yeah. The last three three years, he's been arguably the best county cricketer, county cricketer, around. Mm. Um, so it's fascinating. Mm. I, I think it's just a mindset thing, and mm. it's never too late. He's thirty two or mm. thirty three now, mm. but he's back in the England side, and, and that can be said for it. So many walks of life. Yeah, yeah, it can always happen. You just got to have that perspective. Talk to me a little bit about what's going on the next 12, 18 months for you, mate. I'd love to plan 18 months ahead, mate. <laughs> I mean, I know, like, it's exciting time for you. You must be buzzing. I mean, yeah, what's going on? I know you're probably going out back to India for the IPL. Yeah. I mean, that's what must be an enjoyable experience <laughs> for your, all your fans. <laughs> the boys! <laughs> um, yeah, so I go to India actually next week. Uh, the 12th so that's with England A team Um, so the England Lions which is the second team essentially Um, so I'm there for four and a half five weeks come back for two weeks then two weeks pre-season trip to Cape Town your favourite joint now I love it best place in the world best place well top three definitely (laughs) Queenstown and Sydney have to be yeah yeah yeah. Sydney's up there um so we go there for two weeks with Kent, which will be brilliant. Um, great trip. Nice. Definitely. Uh, and then I go straight from there to India uh, for another six, seven, eight weeks, whatever it is, depending on how we go uh, for the IPL again. And, and we won the IPL last year, Sick. Chennai. So 
the most supported cricket franchise in the world. There you go. Um, for good reason as well. So incredible experience because mm. I try and explain it. I, I think I explained it to you, Tristan, and, and the girls in the office before is I think in England, obviously football is the main sport yeah, yeah. and a footballer walks down the street and everyone's you probably get abused if you play for the wrong Swamped. wrong side or whatever. But um, in India, cricket is life. Mm. Like the Indian cricketers are treated like gods. Yeah. And we went to a shopping mall and oh, yes. I showed that you video, video didn't I? Yeah. And we had to leg yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. It was Security. it was carnage. I mean, yeah. thousands of people. People just love cricket. Yeah. Um, so, is it's a phenomenal experience mm. going there. Just a country, one point two, one point three billion people, and completely obsessed with cricket. It's yeah. incredible. Something special. So, um, very much looking Definitely. forward to that. Yeah. And then on to Kent again uh, for for the season, 2019 season, where we got promoted last year back to Division One. Um, we got we had a really good year last year, final of the Lords, uh, of the 50 over final, sorry, uh, at Lords and the quarterfinal of the 2020. So in terms of for a club, mm. really exciting um, kind of where we've come in the last 12 months as a group, but also as a club. It's been fascinating, so really? really excited to kind of keep that momentum going Great. with okay. Kent. Come so. down here for a few F45 sessions, mate. Build the engine we'll, up, we'll mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll be absolutely blown. Absolutely. All right, a couple of stupid questions to finish on. Otherwise burpees, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, okay. Cool. How, do you, how do you eat a Kit Kat? Big question, this defines all kinds of... You don't eat them, you're an athlete. <laughs> yeah, no chocolate. Um... <laughs> Finger at a time. Why? <laughs> Good on you. Why? You break up. It falls, isn't it? Do you not eat the chocolate around the edges and then... Oh, you're one of them, yeah. aren't you? <laughs> you're the worst kind of bloke. No, just get, get it down, down here. Right, that sums you up. Right. Um, no, no rubbish, <laughs> mate. Just get to it. <laughs> get straight to the point. <laughs> exactly. And, okay, yeah, last one. What's your party trick? <laughs> party trick? Um, Something with a cricket bat, I'm sure. No. Golf. No, I'm very dull, mate. Yeah, um, trick. See off a pint. <laughs> I'm not very good at that either. <laughs> uh, no. No, I probably don't have one. I leave that to Wally's like you. There's oh, always right. one Wally in the group and that's definitely you. <laughs> mate, someone asked me the other day and I don't I don't I can't think of it. Anyway. We've got one bloke from uh, Loughborough, Charlie Stoop, who Didn't he play rugger? Rugger. How posh are you, mate? <laughs> Um, no, he didn't. He he likes to think he has, but for some stupid reason, we always used to go to the ship on a Sunday, as you do. Of course you did. You called me Paul. Used to. <laughs> used to. And one Sunday, he just decided to get down into his boxes. He was pissed. Did a running bomb into the Thames. Jesus. So that That's classifies as his yeah. party trick. But like yeah. I said, he's the Wally of the yeah. group, so we leave it to him. <laughs> leave it to him. Mate, it has been That's a flown by. It's been a fucking pleasure, isn't it? It's bloody fun. <laughs> it's bloody fun. You know first one ever. I, podcast. I, I, I can't believe this has been your first podcast. I, you've got a voice I, for you've got a you've got a voice. Face for, for radio. You've got a face that's for what radio. You, yeah. well, that's what you meant. <laughs> um 
No, I've got a couple coming up, actually. So this has been, been a great practice. start. Fantastic. Uh, we've got to get Jamie on here at some point as well. Maybe we do a three, we can do a trip. Yeah, we didn't really cover much about Jamie. Well, it's fine. I'll get him on. But maybe no, you but come he, in and interview he's just, me, just lay in. He's just going to lay in to me, isn't he? <laughs> maybe I'll just sit in the corner and just egg him on a little bit. And actually can... Because he'll just... Yeah. Anyway. No, Mate, thank you so much for coming on. Really enjoyed it. Um, guys, listen to this. Hope you get some value out of it. Uh, Sam, where can we follow you on Instagram, mate? I'm, not, I'm sure that everybody does already because you're a bit of an influencer. <laughs> <laughs> at Sam Billings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good, good, good. All right, guys, enjoy this. And Sam, thanks very much, pal. Cheers, mate. Thanks. Nice.